Welcome along to Crunching Gears, Season 3, Episode 9. This is the final episode in this season, and it's a pretty special episode where I speak to John Coyne. John has been competing in rallying now since the late 60s, and some fascinating tales along the way. And we also know the important part he's playing now in the Motorsport Academy, but we'll go into that in greater details near the, the end of the podcast. So once again, just like to thank each and every one of you for the downloads, the lessons, the comments, the likes, the shares. It's all been so much appreciated. Um, it's been a fascinating season and some exciting plans uh, in the next couple of weeks, but more of that will be announced near the time. So sit back once again and enjoy. Kitten before that, or how did you get involved? That's really what I'm getting at. Right, right. Well, I guess um, my father was an avid spectator in his day. Okay. Uh, he never competed, but he was an avid spectator, and I was taken to all sorts of forms of motorsports since I was a wee lad, and mm. um, you know that ranged from test trials to autocrosses to mud plugging and motorcycle trials, the bike races and scaries, car racing in Mondello and Rath Drum and Dunboyne. Um, and of course, the highlight each year used to be going out to the Wicklow Mountains and standing out at 5 a.m. in Enniskerry or Glencree or somewhere waiting for the Circuit of Ireland to pass by. So, yeah. um, so I guess that it's all his fault, but <laughs> it got in the blood, uh-huh. right? I'm sure later he, he ruled the day of ever taking me out to watch a rally. But, um, so I guess as soon as I was able, um, at the time, 16 was the licensing age for motorcycles. So I had my, I had worked for the summers and during school and early university, I worked in my uncle's pub and made enough money to buy a bike. And then I bought a trials bike as well, a 125 Poltaco and did a, you know, did a season of trials riding in, <laughs> when I was 16. And then as soon as I had a car license, um, I guess when I was 17, we were away marshalling on night navigation events and stage rallies and mm-hmm. various club events. Um, Took a little while to persuade my father that the risk level for the family car, which was a 
Volkswagen Beetle was equally high when we were rushing from time point to time point to do our marshalling job and we might as well be competing in the rally. So I think it was probably about 18 by the time I got to have access to the family car for competition purposes. And uh, the rules were that I could have the car from Friday, five o'clock until Monday morning at eight o'clock. Right. But it had to be returned on a Monday morning at eight o'clock in perfect condition. Okay. Right. Um, so there were a few late Sunday nights, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> With the, the panel hammer and the yeah. various other yes. repairs going on. But so I guess uh, 1968 onwards, we were competing in. in just about anything that you could do with four wheels okay. in a Volkswagen Beetle. I mean, yeah. uh, test trials were mostly crossroad test trials in those days where right. you put a marshal on each of the four roads and mm -hmm. there were no road closing orders. It was just a, a marshal to flag down any Saturday or Sunday uh, drivers and have mm -hmm. them wait until the next car had gone through its paces and then mm -hmm. let them through and start again. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that certainly taught you a lot about the size of the car and how to maneuver it in tight spaces. Right? Yeah. And uh, so a typical weekend would have been a navigation rally, maybe on the Friday night. Mm -hmm. um, test trial on Saturday, autocross on Sunday, something like that. Um, and then gradually, you know, graduated to national level navigation rallies and mm -hmm. stage rallies. Okay. So I think my first stage rally, I think was in 1969, um, a Wicklow forestry event mm -hmm. in so which I put, I put the car off the road and oh. had an arg argument with a tree. Uh, oh, was this still in the Beetle at this stage? Or this was still in the Beetle, yeah, oh. this is still in the Beetle. Mm -hmm. so, um, the Beetle actually lasted right through college, and then mm -hmm. I, I graduated in 21, or when I was 21, 1971, mm -hmm. and went to the UK for work. And at that, for the year previous, uh, I had ownership of the original Beetle, and there was a new, another Beetle got for, for the family, right? Yes. And... Uh, but they were, were fun days. And I think I, I commuted back and forth from the UK to finish out the Leinster Auto, um, Auto Test Championship. I think okay, we cool. finished up second or something. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. good times. Yeah. And as you say, that early grounding gives you, you know, so much seat time and, you know, car control, uh, you know, like, and even then, you know, from a navigation point of view, how to read the road. All them wee things that you know that was so important then whenever you didn't start rallying. Right. And um yeah, I'm a strong believer that that you should get into a car or a cart or a cross cart at an early age. Um mm -hmm. now back then if there were things like the RSA events, um I was unaware of them, so I didn't actually, you know, I 
I was taught how to drive when I was 10 or 11, but mm -hmm. I didn't compete until I had a, a full license. license. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fantastic now with the work that was done in the junior championship to the forestry championship yeah. to put the J1000 class in. Because mm -hmm. um, I think the earlier you start, the, yeah. the better you're going to be ultimately. Right, it becomes a more natural thing, doesn't it? You right. know, your reactions right. in the car and everything's more fluid, more natural. Yeah. Really, aren't you? So. Right. But I do... I do think it's it's important to take every opportunity to mm -hmm. to learn the skills and and you don't have to go full time rallying in order to learn your car control. You yeah. can do it in autocrosses, you can do it in test trials, all those that uh, there are lower cost forms of the sport that are can be used to mm -hmm. to make an entry. Yeah. I and to hone your skills and right. let people see that you you know you have the abilities or whatever you know. So right, yeah, right. Um, so like you know you, you pretty quickly you were you know starting to show talent was there and you you're progressing up through the ranks. It was seventy seven. Um, you were you know doing a lot of national and international rallies at that stage. Um, were you, you know at, at that stage you were in Hellman Amps and things like that. Yeah, I you were getting so, good cars at that stage. Was that important in your where you wanted to go in your career? Did you want to have a, a, a good car below you? I think where I'm trying to get to. Yeah, I think I you know, I always tried to have a competitive car, either competitive in a class initially, mm -hmm. and then ultimately was looking for a, a car, you know, to build up to something that was competitive at the sharp end. Mm -hmm. Um when I came back from the UK to Ireland to work in 73, I brought back an imp, an imp sport, okay. 875 imp sport. And, um, and then I had a whole, a series of imps and stilettos over the next several years, mm -hmm. uh, 73, 74, 75, I guess. Um, the, probably the most recognizable of those was the X, um, McMahon 998 stiletto, mm -hmm. Derek McMahon's car, yes. um, which when I got it was a total shed. We did the, we did the Circuit of Ireland in, in 1975 and non-finished because the car basically broke in two um, <laughs> <laughs> on Okabana. Um, and, but I reshelled that. And then the following year, I think it was, no, it would have been, Maybe that was 74 that we had the non-finish on the circuit. And okay. then the following year, I reshelled it. And we did in we did 23 events that year. And I won the class in 22 of them. And my, my only non-finish was on a forestry event where I'd gone to Chrysler Ireland to, um, I can't just remember his name now, but there was a, there was a guy who worked at, at Chrysler Island and he was racing imps. And yeah. uh, he did a rebuild on my gearbox and diff. First time that had ever been done. Um, and we promptly went out on the next event and chewed up the crown wheel and pinion. So I guess the, the preloads weren't right. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then it was back to self preparation again. Yeah. And. Uh, so in 76, so we'd had that really good year with, uh -huh. the, with the stiletto. And um, 
Then in 76, I bought a Group 1 1600 Avenger. Mm -hmm. I, I traveled over to the UK over the Christmas holiday, and the, the final round of the Autosport Championship was on the 1st of January weekend, right? The New okay. Year weekend. Okay. And I watched that, and I saw that the car that came second in the championship looked quicker in a straight line than the car that won the championship, but mm -hmm. was being driven a lot more gently, right? Mm -hmm. So I bought the car that got second in the championship mm -hmm. off the finish line. Mm -hmm. And I went home with the guy to his place and got loaded up all the spares in the car and mm -hmm. got it onto the ferry and home, still with all the mud on it from, <laughs> from the event. But I wanted to make sure when I bought a championship-capable car, it was that car, was the car I got uh -huh. and not some, yeah. not some shadow of it, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, so again, we had uh, we had some good luck with that car. We we um, we won the Group One 1600 class in mm -hmm. the Tarmac Championship that year. I uh, did a number of national events as well with it, and a bunch of navigation events. Um, and then at the and that was when Christy Farrow came on board. That was for the Manx in '76. Okay. Um, in that. 1600 Avenger. Mm -hmm. um, and then off the back of that, I uh, oh, I suppose just back up a bit. Um, I had <laughs> remember going to my bank manager um, when I was buying that Avenger uh -huh. and looking for, trying to get a loan, right, to buy mm -hmm. the rally car and what impressed him most was that I had sold the stiletto for more than I had paid for it. Okay, yes. Of course, I didn't show him all the bills for... Oh, and, and between... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so basically, I got my... I got a loan from him to uh -huh. top up the difference between the stiletto and the... The Avenger. <laughs> the 1600 Avenger, and that was all good. Uh -huh. Um so then after the year in 76, I had started, you know, an interaction with, uh, with Chrysler Ireland, which had an assembly plant in Dublin at the time. Yes. Uh -huh. And um, I got an introduction to the managing director there. And so for the 77 season, I was planning to upgrade to a, a Group 1 2-liter Avenger, which... Um, up until 76, Chrysler didn't really have anything to compete with the RS2000, okay. the Fords. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they had a version of the car that was sold in Brazil that had a, a they called it the two-liter block, but it was really an 1800, but mm -hmm. um, a, a stroked version of the 1600 that had similar power in Brazil because of lower quality petrol, but... Um, okay. When suitably tuned, added a little bit of power and torque for the uh -huh. Group One application. Okay. So we knew that was coming, and so I sold the sixteen hundred Avenger to David Gray, who mm -hmm. 
you know, in most recent times had been yes. the chairman of, well, of the Tarmac Association. So David bought my, my 1600. Mm-hmm. And again, I went back to the bank manager and managed to get a loan uh, to go buy yes. what was the, the very first new car I ever owned in my life. So I got, I, I got Chrysler Ireland agreed to sell me the car at, at uh, 75% of retail. Okay. Um, at the time, you could get a bank loan for 75% of the retail price of a new car. So yeah. that's, that's what was done. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then the proceeds of selling the 1600 went into buying all the bits to convert Okay, from a brand new streetcar into a Group One Two Liter Avenger. So, so to kick off the season, David Gray lent me back my sixteen hundred for Galway, provided that he could sit in as the co-driver, which we did, and we duly we were leading the Group One overall. But I aquaplaned into a field on the second last stage, I think, and. That dropped us to second in Group One, but okay. we won the class. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the two liter was due to be homologated on the first of April, just in time for the Circuit of Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a few weeks before then, actually three weeks before the circuit, I got delivery of my new car. Mm-hmm. Went out to show it to my parents, all proud of my brand new motor car, um, had dinner, went back up to Dundalk where I was working at the time. And by about 11 o'clock, I was in uh, in Uri, well, outside of Uri, um, where some very good friends um, had agreed to help me get the car ready. Right. Okay. So by one o'clock the next morning uh, at Hugo and Brian Cowan's place, we had stripped the car to a bare shell. <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, I'd got maybe a hundred miles in my brand new car. Sure, yeah. <laughs> There it was. So that was, I think, that was a Thursday night. And the following, the, the uh-huh. Friday, then I set off on the boat over to the UK to Chrysler Competitions in Coventry. And I picked up all the parts to convert it to Group One, uh-huh. two liter. Yes. Dropped off the engine bits to uh, an engine builder there. And then came back on the boat on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. And for the next week, we worked every night, you know, stripping all the gunk off the shell, seam welding it, mm-hmm. doing the little strengthening stuff that. Yes, you're related. Um, yeah. So on. And then the following weekend, I was back over to Coventry again to pick up the built engine and some other bits and pieces that we realized we needed uh-huh. to finish the job and then back over. And so for the next week, we continued to work on the car and got it completed. Yeah. And um, so that weekend, then I went and did the Carlo single stage event to shake down the car, mm-hmm. which we which we won outright. <laughs> and uh, 
Then on the Monday, I dropped the car into Chrysler's paint shop and they did the, you know, the, 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 yeah. the, uh, the, the official yeah. Chrysler color scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then they had agreed basically for the year that they would, they gave me the, the car um, at a discount and mm-hmm. they agreed to supply spares as needed on a, at a discount. Um, and he wrote a letter to all the dealers asking them to support me when I was in their area, right? <laughs> which turned out, well, we got a few Bob from each of the dealers as we mm-hmm. went around the country. Um, so the very first three homologated two liter Avengers in the world, uh, turned a wheel mm-hmm. on an international for the first time on the mm-hmm. circuit in 1977. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. it was, Robin R. Mansell and uh, Gavin Waugh in the White Horse Whiskey car, and then me in the <coughs> Chrysler Ireland car. Wow, such a so, story. Um, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, then, of course, on um, one of the very early stages, I rolled it <laughs> through a hedge that Nigel Rocky had made a nice hole in the hedge, and I followed straight in. <laughs> it was uh, a soft roll, landed okay. back on the wheels. Had uh-huh. a minor fire back out onto the stages again, um, at undiminished pace. But then we had a problem: the 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 rear diff, the crown wheel and pinion failed. We had we had put a the ratio from the estate car in. So we towed the car to Dublin, put a new got parts out of the built a new diff problem occur. So okay. I went back to went back to UCD to the materials lab where I had analyzed the materials and found out there was a batch of ground wheels and pinions that had left the factory without heat treatment. Oh, and nice. so we were able to do a, a recall notice in throughout Chrysler's stocks to right. identify that batch and uh-huh. take them off the shelves before other people had the problem. So yes. I suppose it was a demonstration of rallying, improving the breed. Yes, I, what, uh, I, the benefits it could bring to the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So an inauspicious start, but oh. uh, but after that things came pretty good, and we mm. um, we ended up in '77 with. Uh, we we won the Circuit of Munster outright, which I think was the first time a Group 1 car won a national championship stage event. Right. Um, and we finished up that season winning the national championship. Right, no, Which at the time was uh, a mix of, you know, the national championship was a mix of, of tarmac stage events Okay. Trimac Daylight stage events and um, forestry and navigation. Okay. And typically, some of the navigation rallies, you know, they'd start at what, 11 o'clock at night and go on into the early hours of the morning, maybe mm-hmm. finish up five or six o'clock. Okay. And then you would do several forest stages before you finished up at midday on the Sunday somewhere. Right. Uh-huh. Um, 
And sometimes those forest stages were intermixed with the, with the navigation during the night. Oh. So it was, it was a good multidiscipline yeah, championship. I, I definitely broadened everything, you know, made everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I remember the last event in that championship was the Erlingus Motor Club Navigation Rally, which is run on Sheet 13, County Mead, okay. and the south of County Loud. Mm-hmm. And I had already clinched the championship, but Christy, who had missed the Circuit of Munster because he was off spectating in Scotland, okay. um, <laughs> he needed to win in order to for him to win the co-drivers championship, right? Or navigators championship, as it was in those days. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for two weeks before the event, I remember we split up the maps between the two of us. I had the north side of sheet 13 and he had the south of it. And every night we'd go out and just drive around checking for goers and no goers and oh. on map roads and uh-huh. whatever. And so we had a good set of mark maps by the time we came to do the event. And we, we did, in fact, win the event and clinch the championship for Christy there. But I suppose it goes to show you that even though in those days, pace notes were not yeah, part of the scene, if I recall correctly. I think the only uh-huh. the Manx had pace notes. Yeah. And Donegal had were, them earlier, but I think were banned again. Yes, they were earlier, but then they were yeah, banned. Again, yeah. um, but it did show that preparation for an event was important. Really, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, when legal. Yeah, and like, like that was happening all across the country, wasn't it, really? You know, at that so, stage, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it was amazing how, even on the stage events, how well you could go reading from the maps. If you had a good, you know, a good navigator who, was, mm-hmm. who grew up on height navigation stuff was yeah. able to give you quite a bit of information about the roads. Um, mm-hmm. Even on the stage events, though. So. I think that's so that was kind of where Ireland sort of bred that sort of like you know your Ronan McNamee's, your Ronan Morgan's, you know Fred Gallagher's, Terry Harriman, because right that had been bred into them from such an early age. Mm. They were able to translate that onto the world stage, then weren't they? You know, so that's right, mm-hmm. that's right, indeed. So we've got a very strong, I think, a, a very much overweight. Uh, yeah co-driver set. Uh, I don't mean no. literally. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anybody takes any offense. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any drivers there who put up with overweight no. co-drivers. But, no. um, <laughs> uh, but certainly we, we've punched above our weight for Absolutely. many years uh, in the co-driving side of the, mm-hmm. of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was I mean, that was a good year in 77. And, mm-hmm. um, and then we, Chrysler were just introducing the Sunbeam mm-hmm. uh, at that time. And they wanted to showcase the car. Um, so, you know, we did a deal to, to build a Sunbeam, um, a two liter pushrod car that mm-hmm. basically it was a sunbeam shell with all the group one avenger okay transfer running gear uh-huh. right um 
And they, you know, the MD there at the time <clears throat> wanted to involve the factory guys more. And so they had a service department in Dublin that dealt with all the Monday cars and Friday cars that the, that the dealers couldn't fix, right? Okay. And uh, so we built the car in the service workshop at the factory okay. uh, and introduced uh, several of the, the kind of senior mechanics there to the world of rallying for the first time. Mm -hmm. I remember a magical afternoon where I, one weekend when I invited the guys who were lined up for that project out to the house and you know, my mother served them tea and we all sat around and talked about what what was required from a rally mechanic, right? Yes. And and one of the boys was uh, was the shop steward in the in the factory right? in the in the service department. So yes. you know, I was telling them that like typically we at the time service was a a chase car type service, right? As mm. well as a few fixed locations yes. for the smaller rallies, you'd have a fixed service, but for mm -hmm. the things like the Circuit of Ireland, it was yeah. all chase car stuff, mm -hmm. right? So I was telling you know, typically the Avenger needs new front brake pads every 100 miles and new rear shoes every 200 miles. And so a typical service will jack it up, we'll take the wheels off, we'll take out the front pads, we'll put new pads in, we might have to bleed the system. We'll do a spanner check on all the suspension. Mm -hmm. um, we'll check all the fluids. And, and, you know, of course, if we've hit anything, there will be a mad dash to fix that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was all fine. They were nodding and all that. And I, how long do we have to do that? I said, nah, maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> At which point it was like, oh, you can't be serious. Mm -hmm. um, you know, changing the front brake pads is a two-hour job. Right. So Kevin had had this book which had all of the all the routine tasks, right? And what yes. the allowed time was in the uh -huh. in the workplace for doing these jobs. But actually once they got over the initial shock, I mean the boys were really enthusiastic and uh -huh. um, they they worked out really well yeah. once we got them trained up uh, yeah. for the <laughs> To be doing these jobs, you know, lying on the side of the road in the muck yeah. instead of uh, in the comfort of the workshop. Sure, right? Yeah, they're in for a bit of a culture shock, didn't they? <laughs> right. So, um, so basically, in '78, if I recall, I ran I ran the Avenger in the internationals, where okay, uh, because it was homologated, and we ran the Sunbeam in the nationals because it wasn't yet homologated at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I think 79, 80, you know, by then we had the full Team Chrysler Ireland set up with the three cars, one for me, one for Rosemary Smith, one for Desi McCartney. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then uh, brought Chris Slater in to manage that team. Mm -hmm. uh, so he managed the team, I think, in 1980 was... Either 79 or 80 was the first year that Chris appeared on the scene. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I remember another, uh, another good story from that. His first event as team manager uh, was a Circuit of Munster. Okay. 
And I think it was starting at 10 o'clock, right? The, mm -hmm. From the center of Ten Mayor. Okay. So we were all staying in, in some hotel or guest house there uh, together. The whole team was there. And so Chris gets up in the morning, he goes down, he has his breakfast. It's, it's now kind of nine o'clock or so. And he's looking around for people and there's nobody around. He can't find any of us. And by about 9.30, 9.40, he's tearing his hair out because there's no sign of any of the team. Of course, huh, we'd all gone to nine o'clock mass, right? So, okay. so we duly strolled up at like 9.45. We yeah. strolled up ready What's to the go. <laughs> Couldn't understand why the poor man was having a nervous breakdown because he thought his entire team of drivers, co-drivers and, and mechanics had like, decided to not compete. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and it turned out, I can't remember the results, but it, yeah. it went pretty well, I think. Yeah. So, you know, so we, can't, we can't really downplay how important that was. Like this was a you know a proper works three car entry for like you know the yeah, manufacturer we, at that time it was huge, wasn't that's it? That's right. It was pretty serious stuff. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and now I had a day job, mm -hmm. but uh I actually got my expenses paid and I got a very small stipend for driving the car. Mm -hmm. So you could say from 78 to 81, I was a works driver, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we did stuff, right? I mean, Rosemary took us off to Brown Thomas to, or Arnott's, I can't remember which one. Brown Thomas, I think. Okay. To get, to get blazers and, oh, yes. uh -huh. uh, and then she got them all embroidery on them and whatever, so that we yes. had a, a proper team uh -huh. wear, uh -huh. one of the very early yes. examples of team wear for uh -huh. prize givings and stuff like that. Uh -huh. So yeah, it was good. Uh -huh. And uh, and we got some good results as a team and we got uh -huh. some good results, results uh -huh. as individuals over that uh -huh. time period. And um, So then I think it was in 1980 that the decision was made to close the factory in Dublin, okay. the, the uh, assembly operation, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of people being laid off and mm -hmm. so on. And, and they decided to pull out, you know, to, to wind up the Chrysler Ireland team. Okay. Thing. Yes. Um, and I did, a, I made an agreement with them that uh, I would continue to campaign and just then the works Sunbeam Lotus have come on the scene right mm -hmm. and uh, so the agreement I made was that I would convert my two liter pushrod car into a full work spec Sunbeam Lotus okay and would campaign it for the following two years for 81 82 right and on that agreement, they, they gave me my car, Rosemary's car, the service truck, all the spares, and a, a small check, and yeah. off you go. Um, so I sold Rosie's car, I sold all the, the 
two liter spares. Mm -hmm. And I had Chris Slater build a proper work spec zombie notice mm -hmm. uh, on the on the two liter shell, right? Yeah. So um, that was done, and I think that car was ready uh 1980 okay. it was ready for the circuit of ireland in 1980 but mm -hmm. i i i couldn't do the event i had a i had moved to a new company which was the ridge tool company which also sponsored yeah, those two yeah. years yes um but we did a lot of metal machining in that that work and i'm a in business i'm a very hands-on manager right okay. So I, was, I built that factory in Cork and I was running that factory in Cork and I, I developed a severe allergy to the cutting oils that we were using in the machine shop. And my hands, I just, I could not, by the time the circuit came around that year, I couldn't, could not hold a steering wheel, right? My hands were so broken up. Um, so I had to skip that and I was recovered in time for Donegal. So we, we, we started out with that new car, I think, in Donegal. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, you know, Chris did mm -hmm. all the preparation and, and the support on event. Mm -hmm. um, a guy called Martin Johnson, who was his lead mechanic, was responsible for building the car and, mm -hmm. and the direct hands-on service, along with several of my friends who had been the service crew since, since uh, the start kind of way, thing. yeah way way back since the, mm -hmm. the early 70s um and so i remember circuit of ireland 81 i think we blew up the engine i had a rod come out through the side um uh, <laughs> uh we had a few decent results i think in 81 mm -hmm. but then the real year where that car yeah. And the team came into its own was 82 where we won the tarmac championship mm -hmm. um so yeah you know that was good yeah and uh i think the you know it, it, it paid off for everybody mm -hmm. um you know i reckon i spent that year i think i spent twenty-two thousand pounds on the on the effort for the championship that year, yeah. and which was a lot of money back in that. Of course, it was, yeah. But yeah, uh, put it in perspective. At the time, I was earning eleven thousand pounds a year. <laughs> yes. So uh -huh. uh, I was pretty well extended by then. Right? Yes. Uh -huh. And so two things came. I I I got a new job. I moved to Western Digital in in nineteen eighty three. Okay. Uh, to start a factory for them in Cork. And so I uh, made the decision that I needed to focus on that business. Okay. And so we did, I think, three events in early 1983, mm -hmm. um, the photo rally sprint and Glenside Holmes Cove rally. And then we went and did the Haspengau in Belgium, mm -hmm. which... Uh, Ridge Tool had a factory in Belgium, uh, in yes. in the town just where the the uh, Hasmengau is. Okay. So I had a, I had earlier in eighty end of eighty two I'd done a sponsorship deal for that event. Uh -huh. 
of course, by the time the event came around, I left the company and was <laughs> had joined Western Digital. But but like everything you try to do in this life, you you try to keep your bridges. Yeah, built. that was that you you made an agreement, so it was only right. Yeah, and and don't burn down anything that yeah. you mm -hmm. that you can avoid. So they yes. they honored the agreement, and we went to the Hasmgal. Where we were lying, I think fourth overall for most of the fifth, and then fourth for mm -hmm. until halfway through the final day. I, I had an excursion into a field, and the, again an aquaplaning incident. And the, the local guys had, you know, Drugmans and Duez and yeah. Colsul and these boys had mm -hmm. and Snyers. They had all been giving me advice, um, and if you. Everything's very flat over there around okay. the Hasmongal. So the the roads are actually flat tarmac. So there's no crown on the road. Okay. And then the fields each side. So when it rains, that you tend to get a lot of standing water. Went off one of them into I don't know what the crop was, maybe corn, but it was it was as high as the car. Okay. And the advice had been you just keep the shoe in and steer back towards the road, right? Uh, which we did. Yeah. And sure enough, totally blind. Like there's just these uh -huh. big. Yeah, whatever it was flying past. Corn, yeah. corn stalks, whatever they were flying yeah. over the top of the car. And we eventually popped out back onto the road and away we go. But uh -huh. the oil light came on. So I had to pull off at the next junction. Uh -huh. And we discovered that the, some of the mud had got in the sump guard had kind of scooped the mud up and it came in and, and broke the belt that was driving the, the oil scavenge pump, right? Okay, right. Of course, I had a spare in the car, but I had to take off the, I think if I recall, I had to take off the fan belt in order to get at the... Okay, to get at the pulleys, no. ...oil pump drive. <laughs> and, and then, of course, I had to clean out the muck on the, the drive gear on the... The, mm -hmm. um, the drive pulley on the pump yeah. before I could fit the new belt and then put back the fan belt and then away we went. So we, mm -hmm. we dropped, I don't know, several minutes doing that work. And well, we finished the rally. We finished, I think, 11th overall. But yeah. um, I enjoyed it, yeah. certainly enjoyed it while it lasted and, and mm -hmm. the fact that we were able to kind of mix it with the Belgian specialist. Aye, because, uh, like, aye, because uh, uh, there's no relationship with Irish tar at all. Like it was completely alien to you. Yeah, it was. It was really mm -hmm. big eye opener what yeah. foreign events were like. And mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, the only other non-British Isles event that I had done and up to that point was in 1977 when we went to the US. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I kind of skipped over that one. So yeah, that was, that one. yeah. <laughs> um, again, I was going I was going to the US. My first ever trip to the US okay. was on business. Uh -huh. um, I was working for Echo and Dundalk at the time. And um, so I had this business trip planned for middle of the year. I think it was in June or July. And um which was in North New York State, Syracuse, okay. New York. Uh -huh. And I happened to be reading Motoring News and noticed there was an event uh, called the Happiness is Sunrise Rally uh -huh. in Western Pennsylvania the week after my business trip. Okay. So I arranged to take vacation. And then on the off chance, I wrote 
like a snail mail letter, yeah. right? Okay. To the organizers. Uh-huh. Um, saying that I'd be in the US and of course, yeah. what a wonderful chap I was that I was currently leading the Irish championship and uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. And could they put me in touch with anybody where I could get a car and compete on the event, yeah. right? So I get a phone call a few, you know, a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from this guy in the States who was the clerk of the course. And he put me in touch with a guy called Don DeRose who had used a Fiat 124 Coupe on the previous year's championship and now had bought a a Volvo 242 for himself. But he still had that car sitting there and he offered to lend it to me, not rent it to me, lend it to me. if I was prepared to fix up, he said there was some slight right front corner damage from okay. the last event he had done with it. But if I fixed that up, I could have the car for the event. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, sounds good. <laughs> so I left. I, I went, flew to the States, did my week of work. Mm-hmm. And then on the Friday evening, flew up to Buffalo, New York. Don picked me up at the airport where we introduced ourselves. Uh-huh. And... We went straight from the airport to compete in a what they called a TSD rally, which time, speed, and distance, basically yeah. a navigation rally. Right. Um, with him driving his road car, I can't remember what it was, um, yeah. and me navigating from uh, maps that were about one inch scale, but were Xerox copies. So it was just black and white, right? <laughs> and it started, I suppose, about it was a plot and bash thing. It started at about nine o'clock and finished at 11 o'clock in the local pub. <laughs> and we ended up winning that event. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good introduction. Yeah. I stayed, stayed with him and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, I fixed up the Fiat, but the right front strut was pushed back and in the <laughs> wheel arch and there was some body damage and a broken headlight and whatever so yeah. mm-hmm. there was a good stout electricity pole on the street outside their home so i was able to straighten up the for you used as a jenga so it's the polar right <laughs> but, uh, that was my my frame bench right was yeah. a, a, a stout rope and a rapid reverse um <laughs> So I got all that straightened up and, and painted the wing and yeah. fitted a new headlight, whatever, mm-hmm. and, and generally checked over the car. And then yeah. off we went. And meanwhile, I had found a, a guy from Canada to co-drive for me, a guy called Ron Sinclair. So we, now the car was very basic. It was, it was basically a standard car with, with some raised Thanks. suspension, mm-hmm. right? Um, but fantastic. I mean, the stages were magic, big, wide roads, and mm-hmm. the downhill bits were really fantastic. Um, we finished up, I think, uh, I remember there was a seeding stage around the hotel where the thing was based. Okay. The Potato City Motor Inn. <laughs> uh, um, and I remember we were ninth overall on the, on the seeding stage. Um, so we ran ninth on the road. Um, but the the car was pretty basic. We ended up, I think, 17th overall at the end yeah. of the day. Um, but we, we, I did 
beat my benefactor in his new two, Volvo 242, which probably wasn't too smart. But that was great. That, you know, the event started. The seeding stage was kind of in daylight still, about uh -huh. 7 o'clock in the evening, and then the rally itself started uh, at about 10 o'clock that night and finished mm -hmm. at like 7 in the morning. So it was all night stages uh -huh. on the logging roads. Oh. Yeah. in north northwest pennsylvania um, fantastic experience yeah like, it was it was mm -hmm. really great fun yeah um, so that was my first foreign event and then the husband gow was the next and mm -hmm. but but after the husband gow in 83 i sold the car mm -hmm. to pat dunyan and then um i didn't do anything for the next year or so i, okay. I was stuck into my work right. uh -huh. um, which I had kind of made that decision a few years previously when the when the Chrysler Ireland team thing was in its height. Yes, um, you know I did seriously consider trying to make a make a career out of it. Okay, uh, but I decided that I was probably better at engineering and business management than I was at driving rally cars. Okay, and, <laughs> um, and I kind of. Kind of derived similar levels of, of satisfaction out of doing either of those things successfully. Okay, yes. Uh, but I was a bit better at the, the uh -huh. conservative route. Um, <laughs> so, the yes. <laughs> yeah. So I passed that fork in the road and decided that my rallying was a you know pretty serious pastime, but it was I a pastime. Still a, still a, a hobby then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um so then, uh, you know, I came back, I think, in, in late 1984, mm -hmm. maybe, or uh, maybe it was 85. So I started again with the, the Nissan 240RS, yes. which, mm -hmm. which was the first time I had rented a car rather than right, yes. buying and preparing oh, right. a car. So okay. I, uh, I did a deal with them to to run the the Nissan, and I did, mm -hmm. you know, I did several events in that. I think the best we best finish we got was a second. Um, no, uh, we got a fourth overall in West Cork, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was a fantastic car. I mean, I I love the big Nissans. You know, the, oh, the engine engine was so mm -hmm. strong. It yeah. had that just. Mm -hmm torque that would pull tree stumps right it mm -hmm. was just a magnificent engine mm -hmm. and the car on on quick stuff was really mm -hmm. very well balanced and well the long wheelbase helps with that fast okay. stuff right mm -hmm. the only drawback was the steering which had that uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> horrible steering, steering, box, steering box and the yeah, steering, steering box that used mm -hmm. to develop a lot of play and so the yeah. With the wide racing tires on on Irish choppy tarmac, right where you, your braking mm -hmm. was a real crapshoot whether you stayed <laughs> on the road. <laughs> You'd be wrestling with the thing as it it tried to follow every oh every crack bump. and bump in the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we ran that for a year, um, and then then I bought a Manta four hundred. Um, uh, again, I broke my rules of like prior to that. I had always tried to have something different than the than the 
mainstream. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. But also something that was could be competitive and was the best of its kind, right? Okay. So I yes. Um, and with the Manta, I I bought a cheap one, right? And then spent multiple events trying gradually to upgrade the guys, to, and, uh-huh. you know, and then and of course. You buy a cheap one that doesn't have the right bits and you're trying to overdrive it to compensate and mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Yeah. And then you crash it and then you make more cost more money than if you'd just gone out and bought the right yield. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. An expensive um, lesson. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But again, we had yeah, we had a few good events in that in that car. Yeah. Um and then of course uh late 86, early 87, group B came to an end. Mm-hmm. And even though things like the Sunbeam Lotus and the, yeah, RS, and the 240 RS, RS and the Manta were all amalgamated in Group B, they mm-hmm. weren't really Group no, B the, cars. They weren't they? the fire-breathing monsters. Right, yeah. right. But they they all got tired with the same brush and mm-hmm. Group B came to an end. And meanwhile, I moved to the US with the company in, uh, in late 86. Okay. So I had come back and did a few events in early 87. I'd fly over and do the odd rally. Um, but again, new job in the States, needed to focus. So gave up rallying once again mm-hmm. um, for the next few years. Um, but so I think it was still in early 87 when I was still flying back over and back. Mm-hmm. Um, the Group B went away and we... Mazda were doing a deal like they had a special to try and popularize the Mazda 323 in Group N. Mm-hmm. And so they they sold a version of the car that had no sunroof and had it was lighter than oh, the standard. Yes, I, 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 I more or less of them stripped out of it, hadn't it? Like, uh, yeah, and had a bunch of trim stripped out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you could buy a kit from them to you know, a cage and suspension and some yards, no, like, kind of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that. I, I, I built a new group and most of three, two, three and, um, 86, I think I had Robbie Philpott on board. And mm-hmm. so we started 87 to do that. The British championship in group N. we did three or four events and, um, I remember one was in the snow. I think it was the national breakdown in, in 87 that we we did. We got a one third fastest time overall uh, on that. Finishing the stage backwards, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and taking out the finish board as we yes. went by. Um, <laughs> but they were a great little car. I yeah. love those little mm-hmm. masters. And, and so more of that later. Yeah. Um, but so then I gave up for a few years. Um, I think eighty, late eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, mm-hmm. ninety. Didn't do anything. Okay. Um, just too busy working in the U.S. Uh, then in ninety one, I came back to work in Scotland and then subsequently Northern Ireland. So I was in Scotland, Northern Ireland from 91 to 96 and started up rallying again. And uh, 
<laughs> it's an eviction, well, you just can't seem to shake. <laughs> just, you know, it's a disease which has only one cure, I think. Yes. Um, and that cure is bankruptcy. Yeah. And, and luckily, it hadn't come to that yet, no. <laughs> just, despite my best efforts. Right. Um, so we, in the early 90s, then we did a bit. And so I ran Mouses for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to, I had a routine. I'd, I'd go over on the ferry. I'd, I'd look at my motoring news. Mm-hmm. I'd, there'd be two or three cars for sale, Group N, Mouse at 323s. I'd make my phone calls and try and get as much information as possible. And then I'd get on the ferry on the Friday night and go to wherever the most likely one was, uh-huh. take a look at it, take a short drive in it. And if appropriate, I would buy it and get back on the, okay. get back on the boat and do a forestry rally on the Sunday. Right. <laughs> I did that. I think altogether I did that nine times. So I ran, I think, nine different Mazda 323s. Mm-hmm. And I'd do a few rallies and then I'd sell them. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the Mazda had a weak gearbox. Yes. So, so rather than having to rebuild gearboxes and things, you move. So I'd, uh-huh. I'd go buy the cars, I'd do several rallies in them, and then I'd sell them on. Uh-huh. And, uh, so it was during that time, too, that we went to one year, a group of us from Ireland went to Doha in Qatar okay. to do the, a rally out there in the, in the Middle Eastern desert. Uh-huh. Um, so I remember the first one that I went to uh, myself, Eddie Colton. Um, there was one other car, can't remember who it was, but so three cars went, three teams went out from Ireland. And yes. So I shipped out my the Mazda 323 and I had a ex Rothmans Pro Drive uh, Volkswagen van oh, service, your service barge. Mm-hmm. So we shipped that out as well. Um, well, the organizers shipped them out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had to get them to the dock in, Do- in the Southampton or somewhere. Oh, yeah. Okay. From there, it was all taken care of. And uh-huh. If I recall, they paid for our flights. They paid for our hotels. <laughs> um, they were trying to boost the international profile of, of the uh-huh. ride. So, um, and that was amazing. We got there, and the local Mazda dealer uh, came to our hotel and offered a, they loaned us a, a truck to go do the recce with. They took the car into the workshop. And by the time we came back from the first day of recce, they had stripped the car and like they had a full workshop there, lades, milling machines, whatever. And the car I had brought was a proper group end thing, you know, with, all the bushes were Delrin bushes, and so and they were machining up new ones for all the bushes on the car. Um, and like by the time we finished the second day of recce, I basically had a, a new car, a new car. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this was all yeah. free gratis, right? Uh-huh. Um, so unfortunately the old gearbox gremlin, um, off the start line of the first stage, the gearbox broke. So 
I had a spare gearbox, so we fitted that, uh -huh. and then we did the second day of the rally as double old car. There was mm -hmm. no rally two thing. Oh, in right, yes, days, yes. So. Uh -huh. But I did double O the second day, and we set a number of Group N winning okay. stage times yes. during the day. Mm -hmm. So we got to the end of the rally, and... Um, and so the following day, the Monday, I get an invitation to go to the Mazda dealer and meet the, the owner of the Mazda franchise. I'm sure he owned a lot of other stuff too. But, yeah. And so I go in and he's in this big plush office and he's in the robes and all that. And, mm -hmm. um, and we drink thimblefuls of coffee mm -hmm. that would... <laughs> that really really up <laughs> and so a negotiation ensued there he wanted to buy the car and the and the service truck right uh so i was fine we did a deal and mm -hmm. he seemed happy and i made some money and yeah. uh but then and when we concluded with the handshake then one of his people was sent out and came back in with a a literally a brown paper bag with sterling notes to the amount we had agreed. Right? <laughs> so I'm happy out. I go back to the hotel and we're flying out the next morning and I'm kind of thinking, yeah. you know, gee, I wonder, it all seems fine, but, you know, I wonder if there's any rules about yeah, how, how much do I explain that that's what going on there? Carry on your person and, you know, what happens if I get stopped at the airport? Blah, blah. So we ended up spreading the money out across all the Irish competitors and hangers-on. Right? We had about 10 or 12 people in the yes. total entourage. And we, okay. uh, so we spread the money out around. Everybody had an envelope. Yes. Of course, we got on the plane with completely without incident and... Uh -huh. uh, Probably had more trouble getting the envelopes back from the boys. <laughs> <than I would've. laughs> uh, yeah. But that was good. That was a good experience. So we went back the following year, by which time I had a group in uh, Lancia Delta. Yes. And uh, I don't know, we finished second in group N, I think, that year with that car. Okay. And, uh, so that was, yeah, they, that was a good, they were good fun outings yeah. too. You, you know. didn't sell that from your over there as well that year, did you? No, I didn't get to sell that one. No. Uh, yeah. yeah, once lucky. Uh, there was no, there was no Lancia deal. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So then, as then we got to kind of 95, 96, and, and I was still running Mazda 323s mostly in the Irish forestry. Mm -hmm. um, but course i'd go and spectate at all the events too and on the internationals you had a group of contem my contemporaries sean campbell desi Nutt, john mm -hmm. wheatley all driving 911 historic cars you know 65 66 911s <laughs> and i was friendly with all those guys and we'd be in the bar afterwards and they kept pressuring me to join the club, mm -hmm. you know, on the grounds that it was 
just a bit of crack and we're out having fun and uh-huh. so of course idiot <laughs> you know falls for the story he goes and buys a car I traded the Lancia for a, a 911 mm-hmm. and of course I, the first event was the Ulster in 96 I think okay. um, with Bones O'Connor in the hot seat uh-huh. Yes, and um, we had a slight off, which I put down to a late call, and he puts down to a <laughs> poor driving ability. But, um, but we survived that, uh-huh. and but I realized I was three seconds a mile off the pace of the boys who were yes. just out for a, a bit of crack. Of crack. <laughs> So then over the next two, the Manx was next, and I managed to close that down to 0.3 of a second. Mm-hmm. And then in Galway, 97, we won the class in Galway, and I, by mm-hmm. now I was three seconds a mile up the road. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I'll tell you, the pace was, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> you know, you were, you were really on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but great. I mean, they were great fun, fun cars to drive. And, I, and a, a good group of guys, weren't they? You know, like they enjoyed their yeah, I mean, the crack, the uh-huh. crack was mighty in in the group, and and you know the the formula, like the you were on a control tire, so uh-huh. everybody was running the same tire. Yes, and little narrow tires and the uh, mm-hmm. Avons, and so I mean the the balance of those cars, the power and the handling mm-hmm. were super well balanced yeah. and they were just fantastic fun to drive. Yeah, like they hadn't like, huge power or nothing really, had they? No, no, no. I mean, it's basic, naturally aspirated two-litre engine. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, I don't know what power yeah. we had at the wheels, but mm-hmm. not a huge amount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they were really, really fun to drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that was it then. Uh, then I rejoined Western Digital in nine, late 97 and headed off out to Asia. So uh, again, for the next two years, I was totally focused on business and there was no rallying. Mm-hmm. But by late 98, I was beginning to get the itch again. So uh, there I was one Sunday morning out test driving a, a Subaru Group M Subaru that I was looking at with a view to yeah, getting into Malaysian rallying. And, and I was driving on a, a road in a, a golf course, you know, with houses. Oh, yeah. Like a, an estate yes. mm-hmm. resort development kind of thing, but mm-hmm. with residential as well as the, the golf course. Okay. And I come around this corner and there's a a Toyota Land Cruiser, I think it was, coming the other way. And whatever way, you know, I could see the driver was looking intensely at the rally car, right? Mm-hmm. And just as we passed each other, I went, it can't be, but it is. It's, that's Robbie Philpott, I think. <laughs> and so I stop, he stops, we reverse up alongside each other, and sure enough, it's Philpott. And he's working in Malaysia, but he, and as am I, but mm-hmm. neither of us knew the I other was in the country. Yes. So, of course, that was it then. We decided we'd <laughs> up again. And um, I didn't buy that Subaru. I bought a, 
I bought an Evo, a Mitsubishi Evo 3, mm-hmm. Group N car from New Zealand. And um, it was all a bit of a rush. We, I flew it to, to Kuala Lumpur. It arrived on a Thursday morning. We were off out doing the recce. The car was lifted from the airport by the guy I had agreed would prepare it for me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they got it back to the workshop. They found there was a problem with the ECU. We scrounged around and got a loan of an ECU from one of the other Mitsubishi guys in, in Malaysia. And so we started the rally on the Friday. Uh, and towards the, for the first day, we were lying, I think, third or fourth. And then on the second day, the front runners picked up punctures and we were now leading the rally outright. Um, and then the last service before the end, there were like three stages to go, I think. Uh-huh. Like I got out of the car and literally collapsed on the ground with heat stroke. Right. I just couldn't. Um, so anyway, they, they fed me a bunch of water. Of course, that was way too late. But yes. um so I had to be lifted up and put back in the car to go out for the last three stages. And of course, on the first stage out of service, I just clipped an apex and got a puncture. And um, we drove on, left front corner, and eventually the thing delaminated and it wrapped itself around the strut in a way that I had to stop to change okay. it. Right. So we stopped. Now, what I hadn't said was that Robbie had been playing football the day, the weekend before, and had right. broken his ankle. Okay. So, so he had his one foot in the cast. Up, yes. Yeah, he had one foot in the cast. I was like as weak as a kitten yes. from the heat exhaustion. So, uh-huh. so we got to, it took us seven minutes to change that wheel. So we ended up being third overall on our first yes. event in uh-huh. Malaysia. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> behind uh, Karanjit Singh and Saladin. Right. So yeah. yeah, it was a good introduction to the sport there. And mm-hmm. we went on, I think we won group one in the Malaysian Championship or okay. group N group N Malaysian N. Championship <laughs> one year. And so we did we did the Malaysian Championship for several years there. Brilliant. Uh-huh. Uh, was, you and Robbie both kept yes, kept yeah. everything going there, too. Yeah. Right, uh-huh. right. And then Robbie moved off. He went off to Hong Kong, and uh-huh. I had another guy then to, for my last year uh, in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So I was probably I did the last event it was in two thousand one, I think, and I mm-hmm. drove a, again a Group N car, but a Proton Satria, which was basically a Mitsubishi Colt. Front wheel okay. drive, sixteen hundred. Right. Um, super little rally car. Wheel at each corner. Mm-hmm. Magic. I mean, the handling was magic. Yeah. And um, um, was leading the all the regular two wheel drive boys mm-hmm. until, of course, I eventually put it off. You, I just got overconfident in what <laughs> it could do. And, yes. And, you know, very little power. So you try to carry speed everywhere. And I carried a little bit too much and took a strut out of it. Um, So then it was, 
Then I, I got called back to the U.S. as I, I had been running our manufacturing operations in Asia, okay. um, in Malaysia and Thailand. And, mm-hmm. But they, they asked me to come back to the U.S. as, as COO, and I got kind of busy, and the rallying went out the door again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got promoted to CEO, and again, I was too busy. Was um, no time for this, yeah. So no rallying then until after I retired then in 2013. Okay. And so just about that time, I had come across my old Sunbeam Lotus mm-hmm. 8548ZC. Uh, Malcolm Montgomery had it up in yeah. Northern Ireland. Yes. And so I went to see Malcolm and I, he had just begun to restore it. Uh, and I tried to buy it as a well, project, basically yeah. as a project. <laughs> Yeah. And he wasn't having that. So he finished restoring it, and I then bought it. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I immediately shipped it off to Martin Johnson, who was the lead mechanic at Chris Slater, oh, yes. who mm-hmm. built the car originally back in, the, mm-hmm. in 1980. So Martin then took it apart again and put it all back together okay. again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we started, I think, West Cork 2014 was the first outing for the... Mm-hmm rejuvenated car yes um and so we for several years then i ran that in basically in the irish tarmac historics yeah and you had christy farrell back with you as well and, you? You and know, Chris in your past you know that's so. right and martin martin did the running the car <laughs> running the car for me uh-huh. and then jerry joyce who had sat with me during the mid 90s mm-hmm. in the Master 323s in the forest. Um, yes. He he came out on the service crew as well for the uh-huh. for the rejuvenated Sunbeam Lotus. Mm-hmm. And so we did that for a few years. And um, how did it feel to get back into the Sunbeam again? Was uh, it like playing an on the old pair of was, really? <laughs> I mean, it was great, but but you know, I was a lot older now. And okay. the the biggest Issue was the steering, right? Which was extremely no power heavy. No power assistance. No power assistance. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I go back to when we were running it in 82. I mean, I was using on certain events, like on the quick, smooth events, I was using nine inch fronts and 11 inch rears yes. on that car. Mm-hmm. Now the regulations were such that I think seven inch was the widest you could run. So mm-hmm. I was running sevens all around in 2014. Mm-hmm. But I was still conscious of the steering being hugely heavy, mm-hmm. whereas back in the day, in the my memory course. is that it was all one hand and one <laughs> hand on the handbrake and yes. no problems, right? Uh-huh. So uh, I guess the yeah. power in the arms has, has withered away quite a bit. <laughs> but, uh, but that was the only issue was, was how heavy the steering was. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I got a medical exemption letter and put um, put power steering in it. Oh, okay, yes. Mm-hmm. And that made it a lot more pleasant to drive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we had a, you know, we had a few, mm-hmm. a few, few good 
few good outings. Yeah, because you know you, you said earlier there about you're always trying to do something different from the norm and one thing or another. The you know the easy route for historics at that stage would have been Mark II Escort or whatever you know. But the yeah, the, the Sunbeam. Yeah, the Mark II. <laughs> I mean, the big the biggest problem was that that like I think I went through two engines. Okay. Because the problem is. The, the Sunbeam Lotus is they're relatively few and far between. I mm-hmm. think there were only only fourteen of the either fourteen or sixteen total cars built oh, oh, works cars. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course there were replica. There were like satellite teams that built all, all over mm-hmm. the world. But yes. but they're still in very short supply compared with the I escort. Know, like a VDA or whatever you can. Yeah, and the sure. escorts were so popular that everything you can get. New, mm-hmm. right? I mean, off the shelf, yep. Mm-hmm. They're casting new blocks. They're casting new heads. They're mm-hmm. making all new parts. Yeah. So you could run an authentically uh, historic mm-hmm. Appendix K escort, yeah. and it was brand new. Everything yes. in it was brand new. Yeah, right from whereas, the headlight bulb to the to the engine, whatever. It's everything. All whereas with the Sunbeam Lotus, like mm-hmm. everything was old, yes. used. Mm-hmm. And like finding a new block or a new head mm-hmm. casting yeah. was That's just impossible. Mm-hmm. impossible. So, uh, you know, rebuilt or remanufactured old parts are never as good as yeah. brand new parts. Mm-hmm. So it was it was tough to keep the car at the bleeding at, edge. At right? sharp edge. Mm-hmm. But but enjoyable nonetheless. And so then. I was, you know, I was then, and I still am li- living in the U.S. And uh, I was flying over and back to do the events in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And so I remember on my birthday in 2015, I was sitting here, and I said, you know, I should give myself a birthday present. I should check out the U.S. rally scene. Mm-hmm. And I called up uh, a guy that local to me here is about half an hour away has a workshop that does off-road and rally stuff okay. uh, I called Doug Nagy and he had a, a car for rent a 1600 Toyota Corolla like a 70s Toyota Corolla oh, right. yes yeah okay 1600 and I rented that from him to do the Rally Idaho, which was the following weekend. So he quickly prepped that and he he agreed to co-drive for me and uh, off we went to that. And we were 19th overall and the fifth two-wheel drive car and second in our class. And the thing wouldn't pull the skin off a rice pudding, right? But but it was... Uh, when you got on the downhill bits now, yeah, it, was, it was good, yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so that kind of, I thought, you know, these US events aren't bad. And, uh, so I then uh, bought, through a contact of dogs, I bought uh, a two-liter Subaru STI, mm-hmm. a Group N, Plus, plus yeah. version, mm-hmm. uh, a car that had been built by Possum Bourne okay, and yeah. imported here in 1990 and had won the Group M Championship in the US in 1990 and 91. 
and then had done some few events after that, but had been largely yeah. mothballed since yes. then. So we we rebuilt the car, like changed all the rubber stuff and the hoses and all mm-hmm. that, and, uh, and then set out to compete in the 2016 California Championship. And mm-hmm. um, we ended up winning the California Championship in 2016 with that car. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used it again in 2017 and um, ended up in a tie break, uh, which didn't go in my favor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so we had some good fun in that car. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the best one that was a one of the events was Fraser Mountain was an eight and a half mile stage run. They do that here quite a bit. They run stages both ways. Oh, okay. So, you know, we you'd run up the mountain, mm-hmm. park up at the top, and then turn around and run back down the mountain. Yes. Oh, everybody and goes up to the top, and then everybody goes right. back down again. Yeah. Right. Okay. But mm-hmm. but back then, you know, the fields were small. There'd be twenty or thirty cars on. Oh, right. Yes. So you could uh-huh. you could you could do that pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, without the event taking all day. So, uh, but I remember we were after two runs up where we would be just two or three seconds ahead of the guy who was second. And then on the downhill run, we had taken 25 seconds off him. Um, He was driving a 2.5 liter. Okay. So, Uh um, but then on the final run down the hill, I, I hit a tree and broke the bottom arm on the right front suspension. Like, uh, and so every time you touch the brakes, then the wheel would come back into the arc. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. turning right was super oversteer, and turning left was total understeer. Mm-hmm. And we dropped 45 seconds on the run down the hill, and we won the event by 0.6 of a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. um, yeah, <laughs> with the with the wheel hanging off. Yeah, uh, but we did make it to the finish. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then, uh, then twenty eighteen, I think I um, twenty seventeen. You done West Cork on a uh, DS three. Oh yeah. So yeah. I still. Hopping yeah. back over to Ireland now yeah. again to do the odd event. Yeah. And I decided that I, I wanted to try this R5 thing because mm-hmm. by then R5s were the main category in Irish. The main yeah. category. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and generally I've been, I've been in favor of running homologated cars rather than non-homologated cars because yes. it gives you a much broader option of where to go mm-hmm. right you can pretty much go any country anywhere yeah. any championship in a homologated car yeah right? you so, can look up and have the same spec of car as you have in right. uh, belgium or whatever yeah <laughs> right so anyway yeah i was back to do the west cork and i decided i'd check out this r5 thing and mm-hmm. i rented a a citroen from Kieran Graffin and fantastic fun. I mean, the first day was dry and I had a ball. Mm-hmm. It was, and 
uh, and that was Christy and my first first outing in an R5 car, mm-hmm. and it was just fabulous. And then the Sunday it was raining, and the car was too stiff, and uh, I I couldn't build any confidence in it. So mm-hmm. that was a bit of a struggle on the Sunday, but but the overall experience was was pretty was good. Uh-huh. But then I kind of thought, all right, but. Um, So by now, of course, I'm well retired and I had plenty of time on my hands. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm thinking, what do I do? And I enjoyed the R5, but I said, everybody's got R5s. And okay. best case, you know, I'll be finishing mid-pack in the R5s. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, <clears throat> the RGT category had just appeared in in 2015 mm-hmm. and Tuttle's had built this Porsche that Delacour won the first year of the RGT category yes and I thought you know that could be a bit of fun uh and it is an FIA category and so I could do mm-hmm. events uh, at home uh, but uh, I could uh, also do whatever yeah. uh-huh. yeah. so I had I had one of them built mm-hmm. and uh we took it out in Donegal, I think, 17, maybe. Was uh, yep, yep, uh-huh, yep, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. For the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is just a, yeah. a hoot to drive. Yes. Oh, and, to listen to you from the outside. Uh, must be so much the sound is just yeah. magic. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. the, I mean, the amount of spectator response to the car was yeah, just must fantastic. Have been, uh, so for you, it must have a great buzz to drive it and see people on the hedges, you know, uh-huh. enjoying the spectacle. Thing. Yes. Um, we not finished in Donegal. We had a small fire on the car, and and uh, and I didn't want it to become a big fire. Better safe than sorry. Right. Um, so we pulled out of that. Um, so then, 2018. You know, we were still using the Porsche, and we actually we went to Corsica, my first oh, world yeah. championship event. Mm-hmm. And uh, but what I didn't realize at the time was I was uh, I had a very severe kidney infection at the time. I knew I wasn't feeling very well. Okay. But um, anyway, long story short, I I mean we did the recce, but every hour outside the recce, I was in bed. Right. Um, we started the rally. I went with the Michelin recommendations on the hardest tire. Um, just could not get heat into those tires. Um, I ignored the fact that, you know, everywhere I tend to run at least one grade softer than most of my competition. Okay, It's just whatever way my driving style is, I mm-hmm. tend to be very easy on rubber. Yeah, so it's smooth. Uh, yeah. I don't generate that much heat in the tire, so I have to go softer. But I listened to these guys, the team and Michelin were all going on and on about how abrasive the roads were in Corsica and that I would not go the distance. I mean, the stages were long. They were like uh, 35 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the hard tires on couldn't get heat into them. Eventually I ended up sliding off on a six left into a ditch on car on its side, down mm-hmm. a ditch, 
um, held in place by a small tree uh, on the edge of a pretty steep right. drop. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we eventually got out of the car and um, so I went home, checked in with my doctor the day I got home, spent the next four weeks in hospital. Right? So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so I was obviously not quite on no, the list no, you weren't, you weren't, uh, exactly. for that rally. Mm-hmm. Um, but also then, at uh, the end of that year, uh, I started looking at the U.S. Mm-hmm. again. I had, I had stopped in the California thing, mm-hmm. but uh, I started looking at the national championship. So I, I hooked up then with Barry McKenna and McKenna Motorsports, mm-hmm. um, and I rented a, an R5 Fiesta for the Oregon Trail Rally. I think it was in... 2019? I think yeah, so. mm-hmm. 2019. So we did, I think, three events with McKenna in, in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, great arrive and drive stuff, um, yeah. which is important over here because, like, the national championship, I mean, the mileage that the yes, team so spread out. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, so, like, Oregon Trail, McKenna's based in New York. It's up in, in Oregon. That's a 3,000-mile journey each way. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, can you even um, co- comprehend that here, can we? You know, this is right. Mm-hmm. We think that 300 miles to Donegal is a yeah. bit of a stretch. Right? <laughs> so yeah. um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I had good success in the, in the first few outings so we signed up for a full championship season then in 2020 mm-hmm. um, and that was I mean it was great we did I think seven US championship events we ended mm-hmm. oh no that was COVID COVID set in in mid 2020 yeah right? 20, so, yes, well, 21 22 then yeah then. so we started off 2020 and we did the snow drift rally which is uh, you know in Michigan Mm-hmm. So Michigan state law, there are no chains and no studs allowed. Okay. So you do you do a full snow slash ice rally on Probably. snow tires, or mm-hmm. or they do have a thing called tractionized. So you get a a winter tire and you run it on a a kind of spiky thing that right. basically breaks up the rubber of the surface ah. into little. Almost onto wee spikes and things. Eh? Yeah, little thin spikes of rubber. So uh-huh. they work quite, I mean, I won't say well, but they work uh-huh. better than a standard tire on, yes. on ice. Okay. Um, and then you have a traditional snow tire with big open block pattern uh-huh. that works on, on soft snow. Okay. So that's the choice you have, but no uh-huh. studs. Right. So I managed to tiptoe my way around that and... and um, I was second in RC2. Barry mm-hmm. was running a similar car and he, he beat mm-hmm. me there. But, but we won the RC2 championship that year. Mm-hmm. But, but and we have to, mention, have to mention Mexico that year as well. Well, that was the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Barry, mm-hmm. Barry started talking to me early in the year about mm-hmm. uh, should we do Barry Rally Mexico? He was mm-hmm. going to go do it and would I come along? And Because yeah. obviously... It, 
it's a lot more cost efficient to, to take a two car team than a single car team. And so we decided we'd go to Rally Mexico and mm -hmm. um, just magnificent. I mean, that was just a fantastic experience. Mm -hmm. What a, a bucket list item, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, a very tough rally. It's hot, it's mm -hmm. at high altitude, mm -hmm. it's dusty. I mean, the, the recce, and this was, we had seen we had seen that also in Corsica, but like the recce schedule on a WRC event where you're only allowed to do each stage twice. Mm -hmm. There's specific times. Um, oh, you're allowed into the stages as between right. X and X, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so in Mexico, I mean, I had this rental, I don't know, a small Nissan SUV thing. Okay. And, like at that altitude, the uphill stuff was a real, real struggle. Um, and like, we actually didn't get to, to recce the end of day town stages okay. because we were just out of time. And uh -huh. that was all day only stopping for fuel. Uh -huh. Didn't even stop for lunch, right? We had uh -huh. water and some munchies. Eat the on the go, and, yeah. uh -huh. and just on the go the whole time. Right. Mainly because we were losing so much time on the uphill stretches, right? Just, just we couldn't break the recce speed limit, even if we wanted to yes. on the way up there. <laughs> um, so that was really tight. And then, um, but we had a good rally. It was uh, we had a great dice with a, an Italian guy, Gianluca Linari. He's a now he was 10 years younger than me, but he was a gentleman driver also and yes. had done 46 WRC events and had mm -hmm. done Mexico three or four times mm -hmm. before. Um, but we were he was in a Fiesta R5 as well. Yes. And we were trading times, and that's really all you need to have yeah, somebody to compete against that. Yeah. Somebody to, mm -hmm. to trade. And unfortunately, he went out, um, he had a heavy landing off a jump on the spectator stage on the Friday night and right. um, only lasted a couple of stages the next morning right, okay. engine damage he did right. overheating the, the engine. Mm -hmm. Well, we finished up, I mean, we finished the rally. We were uh, yeah. 15th overall and yeah. um, third in the NACAM championship, which would be equivalent to the ERC or the right. Asian Pacific championship. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, a North American, or well, a, an American championship, South America and North okay. America. And it should be said, you finished in front of Terry Neville as well. <laughs> I did. I finished, I finished just behind Katanovich and uh -huh. just ahead of Neville. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so mm -hmm. that was super. Oh, really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. But then that was the set, onset of COVID, the actual yes. day. Yes, actually had to cancel the, the last day of the holiday, didn't they? Cancel the Sunday stages. Uh -huh. And um, and we were meant to come back. Stephen Joyce was co-driving for me. And we were we were meant to come from Mexico and go straight to That's one cool. of the American championship oh, no, right. events. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I think it was in Missouri. Uh -huh. um, the following weekend. Yes. But it got cancelled because of COVID. So mm -hmm. then there was nothing going on here, and there was nothing going on in Ireland yeah. uh, until the US opened up again in July, late July. Mm -hmm. 
And so there were three or four more American Championship events then yeah. before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did those and ended up winning the the R5 category yeah. um, right. in the championship. Mm-hmm. And then Barry run the event then too, didn't he? The one. Oh, yeah, he ran an event. Uh-huh. In, yes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he has. He does all the road maintenance for for a forest area that that is mm-hmm. home to a Boy Scout camp. Ah, yes. Sir. You know where they mm-hmm. have a kind of outward bound thing. Okay. Um, yeah. And so he's he was able to get mm-hmm. the roads in that forest mm-hmm. uh, for his yeah. New York Forest Rally mm-hmm. at the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, and he also you know they. We can use those roads for testing also. So. Yeah, and like what a phenomenal event! Like you know, it was created by uh, a couple of guys sitting on a computer in Galway, I believe. You know, right. com- yes. you know, it, it designed the route. They put in man-made jumps. Uh, like yeah. within, you know, I think within an hour of like the heart of New York. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it ticks all the boxes for like a WRC event, nearly almost. Right. The, the, right. All the, you know, it's yeah, the, it was it was it was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Martin Brady did most of the mm-hmm. most of the event paperwork and route mm-hmm. selection mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. notes and all that stuff. Yeah. And it showed so, them a new way of doing things, you know, too, right, paperless right. and all that kind of thing too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so and actually, I mean, actually, the the U.S. organizers did a very good job of of mm-hmm. developing new p- touchless approach to running a rally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had. Uh, had an app and you would do all your entry stuff and, and acknowledgements and yeah. so everything was done you got a qr code when you showed up you mm-hmm. just showed the qr code and they gave you your bag of goodies uh, whatever you needed road books and whatever and, mm-hmm. and it just threw the top of the window that was it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh so like all the timing so they they've used Rally Safe for quite a while. Yes. Um, so uh, they use the Rally Safe for timing, and uh, mm-hmm. you would have a the start marshals and finish marshals would also record, but you just yes, game it's write all it on your own. You know, they'd hold it up, and you'd write write it on your own card. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that all worked well, and. Uh, then 2021, um, we're back into the mm-hmm. pretty much a full agenda yeah. for, for 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in the US. Mm-hmm. So I did, I think, how many? Five, six events for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the- I picked up the post then, and the final event of the year was back mm-hmm. Oregon Trail again. And yeah. end of McCormick. Uh, Either one of us was whichever one of us won the, uh, the, the, the in Oregon was go, was going to win the, the mm-hmm. RC two category. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, ended up with Enda yeah. pipping us for that win, yeah. and he won the the RC two class. But uh, because the overall championship counted more rounds, I ended up fourth in the championship overall oh, uh, yes. behind the uh, the three Subarus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Pastrana and Block and but they you know, you know we have to think like yourself uh, <coughs> excuse me McCormick and uh, Paul Riley as well you know the, the yep. three Irish guys I'm sure they don't mind me calling right. you know, Johnny O'Sullivan and Johnny, uh, also out yeah there are five, five and, uh -huh. and then you know we and, had uh, the likes of Martin Seamus Burke Seamus and, Burke you know Right. So, there's a, like, yeah, there's a whole backbone of Irish right. contingent running right down through the field, isn't there? You know, so, yeah, yeah. And uh, but to have the three of us out there competing, bringing the R5s to America too, which is right, you know, yeah. Well, Barry, I mean, Barry has been done a fantastic right? job of, uh -huh. of introducing the R5 mm -hmm. into common usage and yeah. demonstrating how competitive it can be. Can be yeah. uh -huh. um, and then, um, you know, he's done a lot of work helping to grow the, the championship overall. Mm -hmm. And and it's in it's in a great place now. Absolutely. I mean, the, mm -hmm. over the last three years, we've seen a huge increase in interest and participation. Yeah, in, in the Subaru bike now is an official works team. Uh, right. You know, the drivers like, you know, Ken Block, Pastrana, mm -hmm. like they're household names. They're not rally names. They're beyond that, you know. So right. Well, I mean, they've come out of the well, Pastrana and Semenuk have come from the kind of Red Bull extreme sports, yeah, mm -hmm. bikes, motorbikes, all mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Ken Block has the whole Jim Canna thing going yes. on, and mm -hmm. um, so yeah, having those names competing at the top end of the, the rally program, you know, it brings a whole raft of spectators that are new to rally mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, and followers, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a very good thing. Yeah. Now, we have to know, this has to be brought into the conversation, what you've done for rallying here in Ireland. Um, <laughs> you've taken it, grabbed it by uh, the scruff of the neck, uh, not just yourself, but obviously there's a team in place. But right. have helped to bring Ireland from, you know, uh, how would I describe it? Like we've we have the talent here, but it's never got the chance to shine. You have given the, the backing to allow that that talent to get to the next level to show that this wee country is as capable as anybody. Yeah, I think. I mean, we've always had talent. Yeah. The the issues are. Uh, you know, trying to, yeah, trying to generate enough support. Uh, I was lucky that I got some good support from Chrysler back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it, it is very hard as you, I mean, you look at, at Paul, at uh, Craig Green's career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs along the way. It was mm -hmm. very clear from a very early on that the talent was there. It was yep. uh, much more difficult to consistently keep climbing the ladder. Mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, he's yeah. there on the top of that ladder now. Absolutely, and, and, you know, and like, um, he got some knockbacks, but he kept the focus, you know, and kept so, striving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've... I was at the 40th anniversary dinner for the Tarmac Championship and the Terry Motor Club 
in Killarney in 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had been invited as one of the former Tarmac winners, right? So, um, so I went to that and I met with, I'd been thinking for some time about, and I had been doing a little bit of direct support of a couple of youngsters. Okay. Um, but I wanted to do something more structured and, and uh, I met there with Sean McHugh, who was the Billy Coleman Award coordinator for mm-hmm. Motorsport Ireland at the time. And we, we had our first meeting at, at that dinner and then mm-hmm. subsequently a few more meetings before I headed back over to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and we discovered that we both shared a very similar vision for uh, a roadmap of how to, how to, number one, we were interested in, in having more young people interested in entering the entering rallying as a sport. <laughs> how do you generate that mm-hmm. e- ease of access and generate interest? Mm-hmm. And then once you've got them in, how do you provide, you know, a, a logical step-by-step opportunity ladder yeah. um, mm-hmm. to take people who, who want to get there to, to help take people to the top yes. of motorsport, of the rallying field at, mm-hmm. at world level. So we had several meetings. We then went and had some meetings with Motorsport Ireland. And we developed the concept of the Rally Academy, which uh, fundamentally was going to use the Billy Coleman Award selection process, which I thought was pretty good and pretty yeah. robust. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it had shown over many years, because I think we've 20 years now of the Billy Coleman Awards, mm-hmm. and um, quite a number of, of people who were selected through that process went on to to do pretty good things Absolutely. on a, mm-hmm. on the British stage and on the yeah. world stage. So, um, so we came up with the the academy concept, which was to instead of just the winner of the award, looking at all the finalists. So there were typically there'd be eight mm-hmm. eight people selected to mm-hmm. yeah through the year. Uh, and then the bake-off at the end would produce the winner. Yes. Um, so the concept was that we would take the eight finalists and give them a program of, um, you know, mental and fitness training, nutrition, uh, PR and media training, mm-hmm. um, time on a simulator training in how to make pace notes, tra- training in how to deliver pace notes, uh, some in-car driver coaching. Uh, and so we put this concept together and branded it as the Motorsport Ireland Rally Academy mm-hmm. um, and enlisted the support of, uh, you know, professional co-drivers, yeah. um, professional drivers, experienced mm-hmm. drivers to deliver mm-hmm. some of this some of this content mm-hmm. uh, and other specialists in you know uh, yeah, in nutrition fitness, or in, in exercise and, and, and sports psychology and, mm-hmm. and so on so 
we started out and the, the objective was that we would have four development days where we'd bring these eight drivers and we subsequently uh, brought co-drivers into, you know, created a, an academy for co-drivers as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then we would bring these folks to four development days where they'd get instruction on these topics and also get to drive an R2 car and an R5 car um, either on tarmac or on uh, list, yeah, gravel, well. mm -hmm. um, during the course of the year. Because yeah. my, myself and Sean are strong believers in, you know, if you want to get to the top, you really should be on the ladder all the way. So you need to be driving homologated cars. Yes. At, at, at the, there, there, yeah, I, according to the, mm -hmm. the FIA kind of sport yeah. ladder. Mm -hmm. And one of the key elements of that is that in order to attract meaningful sponsorship and manufacturer support, you have to have a relevant car. Yeah. You know, the fact that you're really, really quick in a 350 horsepower 1970s Escort doesn't really play to the mm -hmm. whole sponsorship thing. It's it's immense fun. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but, and mm -hmm. there are some really highly skilled drivers there. Yes. But if they want to move to world championship level, yeah. you, you need to, we we think you need to go along the homologated path. Mm -hmm. so, um, so we wanted to give the eight, people opportunity to sample those homologated cars. Mm -hmm. uh, we, now it's difficult enough to sell the concept of providing a car for the day for these young books to go Tearing about. testing <laughs> it. So. But, uh, and, and really the only man up for the job at the time was Philip Case was the only one of many Irish preparers who were approached Yes, with the concept, and he he said yes, and got stuck in, and yeah, and did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we held several of those uh, development days in in 2019 until um, the dreaded COVID came into view and, mm -hmm. and interrupted the process. Yeah. So, in parallel with that, we also looked at. You know, how do you get kids in at a, at a much earlier age and get them engaged? And the Irish Forestry Championship had done a super job introducing, you know, working with MI to get the rules in place so that you mm -hmm. can introduce 15-year-olds into the and junior uh, 1000 category. into the forests in the junior 1000. So to try to encourage more participation there, I put a, a prize fund in place for that to improve mm -hmm. the, the prize fund for that. Sean worked to develop a dual surface championship then as the next step, which was four tarmac and four gravel rounds for 17 plus. Oh, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. you had to have a proper license to, to mm -hmm. do that. But a championship that had a mixed surface uh, content for J1600, okay. right? So, um, that was the next stepping stone, and we put a mm -hmm. bit of a prize fund in place for that to keep mm -hmm. people moving along. Yeah. And then the the next obvious step would then be into a R2 car, or what's now called a Rally 4. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, so we did that in parallel to setting up the academy to try and 
improve the prospects of having some people to inject into the academy, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then the Billy Coleman Award, I thought, was a great first step, but it looking at the cost of rallying and uh, I didn't think it was enough. And so we increased the prize fund there and also made it a possibility that you'd get a second year of support if yes. you were deliv delivering mm -hmm. on um, on what got you to the first yes. year. If you lived right. up to the promise you had set, you know, so, so, right. So, mm -hmm. right. So we put all that stuff in place. We had the first batch of folks in um, 2019, uh, you know, demonstrated the usefulness of that. If you, if you remember, we, mm -hmm. we were lucky enough through, you know, through Philip, who happened to be running Hyundai R5 stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we were into conversations with Hyundai and they were interested in the program that we had set up. And so, you know, they came in and helped us take Callum to Hungary in, yeah, in the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. And had a, had a great run there. He ended yeah. up mm -hmm. third overall on the, yeah. the first attempt at an ERC round. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so then we went into 2020 and, um, so in 2020, we were there was no Billy Coleman Award because mm -hmm. there was nothing to base it on. Right? Yes. There was no rallying yes. at home. Mm -hmm. um, so all the folks who were engaged with the program got lucky and got a second year of, yes. of, uh, <laughs> um, of participation in, in the program. And yes. so we had, you know, Callum, who had won the Billy Coleman Award in 2017, James Wilson mm -hmm. won it in 2018, Josh McIrlain won it in 2019. Uh -huh. So all three of those were involved. And then mm -hmm. a bunch of other guys um, and with smaller programs. Yeah. And um, so in 20, you know, 2020 and, and 2021, that continued to play out. Mm -hmm. uh, Callum had a run at the ERC then in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, had some good runs, had some pretty awful runs. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but overall, I think when you look at as soon as rally, Irish rallying opened up here at the end of 2021, I think the benefits derived from yes. that program were on immediate display. Absolutely. Right? As, as Reyes has, has leveled, you know. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, mm -hmm. having talent and application and then getting the right kind of support can raise the game quite yeah. a bit. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and like George oh, McGillian, James. Well, James Wilson yes. had COVID and the business, and he he was more focused on making uh, sure the business got through COVID uh, never the COVID period. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But he's back out again, running now. Mm -hmm. um, and and before COVID set in, he had a couple of very good runs yes. in Irish forestry and mm -hmm. the Irish National Championship. So mm -hmm. um, hopefully, yeah. Uh, his career will move on now that he's um, uh, know, uh, the other it. side of it, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. And and then Josh McIrlain, we had a mm -hmm. um, good, you know, we kind of followed a different path mm -hmm. there. We we looked at instead of doing a championship, we looked at doing events that would build experience. Mm 
right? Yeah. And so, I mean, he had a couple of very good national events. I took himself and Callum. We took mm -hmm. them over to the US and they ran yeah. the Olympus in mm -hmm. 2021. One, yeah. Um, Callum, unfortunately, had a sick engine mm -hmm. uh, and, and retired. Uh, but uh, Josh driving in the McCormick's Hyundai was third overall and set a overall fastest stage time on a, yeah. an 18 and a half mile stage mm -hmm. and I think raised a few eyebrows as to the you yeah. know the pace of the young Irish bucks right mm -hmm. and like his um, profile got such a lift out of that you know being right you know right. getting a selfie with uh, Ken Block and Pastrana and all that too you know it, you know, it, it right. opened another audience for him as well didn't yeah it? yeah so absolutely and uh yeah, and then uh, we did a, you know, so that was the great thing about the U.S. events is they're long. Yes. So Huge for the same time. price mm -hmm. as a 65-kilometer Irish forestry rally, you're mm -hmm. going to get 120 miles of mm -hmm. American forestry. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very effective way to, to build seat time. Mm -hmm. And and there is sufficient competition at the sharp end to actually make you, make you stretch, right? Yeah. So, um, so we did that, and uh, and then we did uh, several four world championship events, mm -hmm. which, um, and along with that, he did several recce's of world championship uh -huh. events uh, in order to build a knowledge. For yeah, the future, for the coming and coming year, uh, or whatever. So, uh, and if you look, we also did a rally Alba in in Italy, which is kind of Andrea Damo's home event that he mm -hmm. always support supported with yeah. Hyundai resources. Yeah, uh, the works team um, come over and competed in that event. No, right. Too, didn't we? Mm -hmm. So we did that, and and Josh finished third overall there. So it's like. When he's let off the leash, he can demonstrate his pace. And when yeah. we when we have him in pure learning mode, he, he understands that it's, uh, a, yeah, it's about he, finishing and getting seat time, right? So uh, he's an old head, young shoulders, hasn't he? Really. You know, so, so. Uh, and so we were really pleased. I mean, he did mm -hmm. have a podium in WRC three in Spain as well, yeah. mm -hmm. and like and and Belgium as well too. He had a fantastic run. Was, and Monza and others, you know, like it's right. you know. So, he, it's really a you know, what, I'm, what I'm most pleased about there is when you look at his pace relative to the the leaders, the OGAs and, and Newville and yes. Uh, like we monitor the the pace against the rally winner in each of those okay. uh, events. And he's been chipping away mm -hmm. um, his his time gap to the mm -hmm. winners is is getting smaller and smaller it's every event we do. So, so, progress, progress, progress. Every right. event, yeah. So that's that's the objective. Mm -hmm. um, so then this year we're back in. I mean, there'll be, uh, and I should mention William oh, Crichton, William Crichton well, yeah. who, uh -huh. yeah. who uh, did the Junior World Championship mm -hmm. last year. Yeah. Uh, again. Um, and also, of course, won the British Junior Championship mm -hmm. yep. last year. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you know, at the at the Junior World level, setting a multiple fastest stage times yep. through the year. I, so. You know, showed that he was 
a force to be reckoned with. Right, yeah. right. That he has the he has the outright pace and, mm -hmm. and needs to yeah. needs to just tie it all together. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's all of that is great, very satisfying to see when mm -hmm. you're you know trying to create a structure and an environment that will um, help the guys to to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and to apply the learning and and get better through practice. Absolutely. Right? And like um, you're saying there, like William too, the thing I, I found with William, like he was going to the world stage, showing his pace there, coming back to the BRC, and that was, the, you know, the likes of Eamon Kelly or Kyle White or whoever, they were having right. the, their game to try and keep up with him. So, you know, it was helping right. raise their, their level as well too. So yeah. it, was, it was beneficial to others as well as to volume as well. Yeah, so, so you know, we're, we're, whatever, we're three years in now mm -hmm. uh, into the program. We've, we, uh, again, we, we didn't have a basis for selection in terms of event results. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we did a, uh, self-nomination process this year okay at, at, uh, and have selected six folks to yeah. go through the, the whole mental fitness mental fitness uh, pace notes all that learning stuff um, and coaching stuff this year mm -hmm. um, so you know the, looking forward to that yeah. Um, we have our first uh, female driver, Aoife Raftree, is, a, mm -hmm. is in that group. So yeah. uh, that's mm -hmm. that's a great step. Yeah. Um, she earned that position, but it's great to have mm -hmm. uh, have her in the program. Okay. So uh, you know, looking forward to working with those six. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't do much work. I must admit, it's Sean McHugh is the the prime mover here on, on organizing everything and staying on top of it all. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. The amount of work that guy does as a, as a volunteer is just mm -hmm. off the charts. Yes. And, um, you know, he retired uh, just at the end of last year. So now he's got even more time to devote <laughs> to this. So, um, mm -hmm. so we've, you know, we've looked at what we've learned in the last three years and we're modifying some bits of the program and mm -hmm. hopefully we can make it even even better as we move forward. So Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm listening here to you talk. I, I get that, like, the enthusiasm, like, you see this as, you know, lifting this level in Ireland and beyond onto that world stage, show that we are capable as anybody. Yeah, well, I, I, I think it's a... It's a second step, like the first step, which was the Billy Coleman Awards. I yeah. mean, they that ferreted out the talent, right? And I mm -hmm. think it did a pretty good job yeah. of identifying talent. Mm -hmm. What the academy is trying to do is to then take that event, identified talent, and really show the roadmap, and then identify the people within that talent pool who are really prepared to put in the work yes. to make a career at the top level of the sport. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not really about, you know, subsidizing their weekend of fun. No, that's, It's uh, about trying to identify uh, those very few people who have the application and the passion mm -hmm. 
to actually make a career out of this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, so not every one of them is going to do that. No. A lot of them are going to do mm-hmm. careers like I've had, which are yeah. extremely enjoyable, but, yes. um, you know, put work first and mm-hmm. work wasn't driving a rally car for no. me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but there will be a few where work will be driving a rally car. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones we're trying to identify and trying to support all the way to the mm-hmm. being the successor to Craig Green when he um, yes. <laughs> hang, hangs yeah. up his hat eventually mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe giving him a run for his money in three or four years' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll start wrapping things up a wee bit here now. So, like, you know, we're hopeful that, that, that COVID's behind us. Um, do you see yourself coming back to Ireland to rally now in 2022? Or? Um, I'm not sure um, what I'm going to do in 2022 uh-huh. myself. I will probably do a few rallies, but uh, uh-huh. haven't decided which ones yet. Okay. Uh, I am going to be a little more involved in the direct kind of coaching, mentoring, mm-hmm. team management role yes. uh, in a few of the programs in mm-hmm. the coming year. Uh, those programs will probably be announced in, very soon. Okay. And um, so there's a number of dates that clash with the U.S. Championship so that I'm okay. yes. going to be doing all of that. I may uh-huh. do a couple of events. Here and uh, same thing relative to Ireland and and. There may be a bucket list item or two that appear during the year. Cool. Right? So, uh, now this is probably a completely redundant question. You you still seem to have as much passion for rallying and being involved as the first day. What what still drives you to to be as competitive? Well, you know, you kind of just love it when a plan comes together. You know? so, um, <laughs> So for me, there's it, it, not much difference. You know, that uh-huh. I work the same way that I go about my rallying. I mean, yeah. I, you, you make a plan, you execute to the plan, and hopefully uh-huh. the, plan works. the results is good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, yes, I really enjoy uh, the driving bit, but I also yeah. really enjoy the organizational bit, and I and enjoy seeing whether it was at work where I was developing people um, or now with the academy where we're giving opportunity and trying to guide folks along with their and progressing in their careers, it's, it's extremely satisfying when you see that input mm-hmm. coming back to you as successful output, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So, you, yeah, you- I get you get more out than what you put in as such almost. As Absolutely. That. I mean, yeah. I get uh-huh. just as much of a buzz out of seeing... Yeah. Josh McLean set a flash time. Williams, uh-huh. uh, putting in a good performance as I do in driving an event myself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If not more. Excellent. Excellent. So. Mm-hmm. Well, no. And, um... and it would it, be really great if we can get, mm-hmm. you know, a, a strong pipeline from Ireland yeah. representing the country on an international stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, ultimately, that's, that is the, uh, the, that's the going to goal, be yeah. uh-huh. a, a really good achievement if we can get there. Because mm-hmm. uh, once the, the, the systems are set up and, and in place, you know, it should then, like, 
not automatically follow, but it should there should be a continuous flow almost. Then once things start to happen, that everybody sees that there's this. You know, if you do this, right. you'll get this. If you get this, then they go to this. You know, there's a yeah, and, system. And, and luckily, there's there's you know there are there are like-minded individuals out there. I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, McCormick has supported the program. Paul Raleigh supported the program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Barry McKenna supported the program. We've yeah. got. Uh, and of course, anybody listening, I'm always looking for more. <laughs> so, <laughs> anybody who thinks it's a good objective and has yes. the uh-huh. has the means to help is yeah, welcome contact with open arms. Uh-huh. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, as I say, we'll start wrapping things up. So, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time. I've uh, I've enjoyed this chat immensely. So I was I really appreciate you. Um, just going to give you five or six here wee quick fire questions just to finish things off. So your best ever rally. Circuit of Ireland, 1982. <laughs> um, 865 kilometers of stages, uh-huh. 63 special stages in all. Um, It was uh, Jimmy McRae uh-huh. first, Russell Brooks, Henry Toivonen, John Coyne, Billy Coleman, Hannah Nicola, Harry Vatanen, Jerry Buckley, top eight. Wow, what a list! Um, <laughs> yeah. So cool. yes, yeah. uh-huh. that was yes. In the middle of all those world British Irish champions, there was you in the middle of them all, you know. So right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's still the standout. Yes. Uh, is there one car that you regret selling? I regret selling every car. <laughs> you know, I'm as a result of my my work life. I'm in a reasonably good place. Yes. But if I had managed to keep every rally car I ever had, I'd be a multimillionaire, right? <laughs> but of course, yes. while you have them, you never have any money. No, they, it's I, only I, when you're <laughs> finished with them that you have the money. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. uh, what car? I think I have it. I think the championship winning uh-huh. Sunbeam is, yes. you know, uh-huh. I have that sitting in the shed and uh-huh. it's, it's, it's there for, for a while uh-huh. yet. Yeah. Um, gravel or tar? These days I prefer gravel. <laughs> um, any really uh, sort of re- related regrets? <laughs> um, well, Every time I box the car, there's a <laughs> certain amount of regret. <laughs> but oh, you know, no real regret because <laughs> I, I can't say this was a, anything I thought about back when I was younger and when I started in the sport. Mm-hmm. But having a sport that you can actually sit down at while you're doing it <laughs> means that you can carry on a lot longer than, than other folks. Yeah, true. <laughs> Um, one car that you wish you could own you know you ever sit in a lineup of cars thinking I would love one of them <laughs> um, a Stratus 
Oh, yes, very nice. <laughs> and then, is there one driver that you'd love to get have a sit in the car with and do a stage with? Sebastian Loeb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and a Puma. <laughs> yeah, a Puma would be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, John, as I say, I really do appreciate you taking the time. It's been a, a blast, you know, hearing the stories and, you know, what you're doing now for the next generation coming through, it has to be applauded. I know you're not there on your own, but you know you're helping to drive this thing, and like it's a very exciting time now for Irish Alien. And long may it continue. Thank you very much. That was John Coyne and myself, Kevin Glendening, talking rally. As I said earlier, this is the last of the season, but it'll be a very short break until we're back. Um, something exciting happening now next week, all going according to plan. But we'll speak about that soon. So once again, if you liked it, can you please like and share across all social media? And any likes, shares, all that's all gratefully appreciated. So until next time, speak soon. Take care and bye.